I just want to speak the name of Jesus. <clears throat> well, good morning, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. All right, we got to get the Doherty's to say it. Good morning, everyone. There you go. I, I think they were chewing on snacks. Uh, Stella was, she says. Well, hallelujah. Next weekend is the 4th of July. Amen? Can't believe it either. Do you know that it was only 13 colonies that claimed their independence from England? Did you know that? Did they teach you that in history? 13 colonies against the whole nation declaring their independence. You know, that declaration of independence that we celebrate, that those 13 colonies signed, led to the formation of what is known as one of the greatest countries on earth that's ever, ever lived, called the United States. And it's that great country that we live in. Do you know what the preamble is to the Declaration of Independence? You'll know it once I say it. But the preamble to the Declaration of Independence is this, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they have been endowed by their creator with certain rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Do you know that when I was a child in school, they read these to us in elementary school, and I held them into my heart. <laughs> I don't know if my wife is going to cry <laughs> or if she's laughing. But I held them in my heart as a kid, thinking I have the right for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Each one of us has that right. It's a God-given gift. Amen? God gave us that gift. And you know, it's our civic duty to defend these rights for ourselves and for others. It's our civic duty. It saddens my heart to see all this chaos on our streets. You turn on the news and that's all you see is chaos. It's terrible. I'm going to tell you, chaos, uncontrolled, anarchy, doesn't last long. Doesn't last long. We have that example right there in CHOP or CHAZ or whatever it's called now, right? In Seattle where they took over the city, six city blocks. Well, it's dwindled down to three. Pretty soon it's going to dwindle out of nothing because you know what? All the thrill is gone. Chaos doesn't last long. And then people want law and order. 
And you need law and order to be able to survive as a nation, as a people. Their little town of Chop is like fading away. You see it on the news now. You don't see hardly anybody there anymore. And then they say there's chaos in those streets and there's killings because it's a lack of law and order. It upsets me that anarchists and other groups are tearing down statues of our founding fathers who fought for our freedom, some with their very lives. Trying to erase history. It angers me to hear that they want to erase the history and they also want to remove Jesus. They've been trying to remove Jesus for a long time. They've been removing the Ten Commandments. They've been trying to remove the history of the Bible, but they can't. It's impossible. You cannot erase history. But yet I hear that in Little Rock, Arkansas, that a satanic statue of Baphomet was unveiled in a satanic temple of worship. And you know, it's a winged creature with a head like a goat, and it has two little children next to it smiling. And yet they want to tear down our President Teddy Roosevelt, who next to him was an African-American man standing nobly and an Indian chief standing nobly. Because yet they think that is racist. It disgusts me. And it should disgust you too. And you should be upset about it. Because it's just not right. It's evil. And I don't know about you, but I have had enough of all this crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. It's time that we rise up and speak out against it. Especially coming up on our Independence Day, this 4th of July, when we should be the most patriotic of all times. In 2 Timothy Chapter 3, if you got your Bibles, you can turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I didn't mark it. Oh, oh just passed it. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, should be right there. Thessalonians, Timothy, right? Thessalonians, Timothy, that's correct. Second Timothy. Verse 3. This is a letter Paul wrote to Timothy. 
And he's telling them, because Paul had a vision of these end days. And I want you to listen to this carefully. Because this is exactly what we see. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, have a form of godliness but deny its power, have nothing to do with them. In other words, Paul says to Timothy, if you see people like that, you run. You run away. You turn away from them. You have nothing to do with them. You cannot have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. You've got to be all sold out in the kingdom. God, Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon, which is even money. Or the devil. Have nothing to do with them. You don't want to be afflicted or affiliated <laughs> with people like this. You don't want to be affiliated with people like this. Remember and accomplish is just as guilty. If you're an accomplice of a crime, you're just as guilty of that crime. In a court of law, And God is our judge, not humans. And I learned this from my wife this week. And God hears accusations from the devil and intercession from Jesus all day long. All day long. What do you think the devil is doing right now? He's up there in heaven accusing the brethren. He's accusing you. What do you think Jesus is doing up there right now? He's making intercession for you and pleading on your behalf. Jesus is called the accuser of the brethren, the devil. Or the devil is called the accuser of the brethren. Let me get that straight. And let me tell you, I was thinking about this. You want Jesus to be your lawyer. Don't you? You want Jesus to be your lawyer. You want Jesus to be pleading your case. That's why you want Jesus in your life. And that's why you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior in your life, you're saying, Jesus, you're in control. You're my lawyer. You're my God, my Savior. 
There's only one that saves. That's Jesus. That's what the Bible says. That's why you want to live for Jesus and not the devil. That's why you want to be covered under the blood. Amen? You want to be covered under the blood. King David knew, knew where to go to find his shelter, didn't he? Under the wings of the Most High. Under his tower, his refuge. His rock, his mighty fortress. He knew where to go. Under the blood of Jesus. You're covered. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are covered under the blood. You are accepting Jesus. He is in charge. He is your lawyer. You've given him all authority to speak on your behalf. I don't want, I don't know, but I don't want no half-rate lawyer. I don't want no him in Howard and can tell or whatever their names are. You might want to delete that, Joe. <laughs> but any of them. It's not just them. They're just ones I knew in the top of my head. But any lawyer, earthly lawyer. You don't want any earthly lawyer pleading your case for eternity, do you? You want the best one you can get. And the only way to get them is accept them in your life as your Lord and Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. I don't know. I don't want to trust my eternity in somebody else's hands because you might as well... You might as well just take a, a bale of straw, a can of gasoline, and a torch to your hearing then. And I don't know about you, but our country needs to get back to Jesus. You know, there's a solution for all of this chaos that's going on around the world right now. There's an easy answer. And it's called Jesus. It's simple. If you were to obey his rules, follow his laws and his commands, you'd be all right. There would be nothing wrong. We wouldn't have all this chaos. If everybody, then the greatest of these is love. If everybody really loved each other, then you wouldn't see all this craziness going on. I don't know, but our world needs Jesus. Getting back to Jesus, that's what we need to do is get back to Jesus. Get back to the Word of God. Get back to reading your Bibles. Get back to prayer. And not just for yourself, but praying for others. Our founding fathers were all about Jesus and God. Did you know that? Our founding fathers were all about Jesus and God. When they penned those Declaration of Independence, think about this. They penned the Declaration of Independence. They penned the Constitution. They penned the Bill of Rights. Have you ever read them? Have you ever seen the wisdom and the foreknowledge that was in there. The wisdom of our forefathers, it had to be, they had to be divinely inspired to write those words and to pen them down. 
It was all the way back in the 1700s when they wrote these down. The 16th century. Isn't that amazing? Where is the wisdom of that time today? I don't know. I can't tell you. It's not coming from our colleges. It's not coming from our today's professors or college students. College students should be, this is what college was for, to raise them up. To be respectful. To be adding to the country. To be adding greatly to our society. And to be teaching others. Not tearing things down. I said this the other day to Julie. I said, you know what? Our federal government needs to stop funding these colleges. We need to stop funding these colleges. If this is what's teaching our kids. This is just anarchy. There's no teaching there. There's no wisdom there. There's no knowledge. It's all hate. And it's not right. They want to remove God from all of it. Listen to these seven woes that Jesus said about teachers. And I tell you what, I was kind of nervous to read these seven woes because I am considered a teacher up here, preaching the Word of God. So I am held accountable to these just as much as these professors are. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, need more light, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their philatrophies wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master. And you are all brothers and sisters, I'll say. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And then he goes on to these seven woes. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shout the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Then he goes on to say, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, 
And you can almost put in there, woe to you professors, you teachers that are teaching our children. You preachers that are preaching false doctrine, that are leading people astray. Because that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees were. They were teachers. They were professors. Highest in their profession. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. Yet when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Pretty strong words from Jesus, isn't it? Woe to you, you blind guides. You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold of the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Thank God for Jesus, because Jesus is just, he's merciful, and he's always faithful. Jesus is just. You want a just judge, don't you? We see on the news today of all these corrupt judges trying to push their own agenda. Scary out there. You want a merciful judge who will show mercy on you in love and compassion. And you want a faithful judge who will be faithful to his word. And I'm going to tell you, there's only one out there. And he's in heaven. He sits on the throne of God because he is God. Amen? And his son is the best lawyer you can have. I already told you that. Jesus. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgences. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. 
You know, he's talking about our hearts. He's talking about our, our heart. We need to clean the inside of our heart. Because what comes out of our heart comes out of our mouth. We need to clean our hearts. Get them right with God, right? Once our heart's right with God, then it's going to change the whole outer pier. It's going to change your whole thinking. It's going to change what comes out of your mouth. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. In the same way on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. This is the seventh woe. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our forefathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that they are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of the sin of your forefathers. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog on your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth. From the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Tell the truth. All this will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'm going to tell you what. There's a time coming. And it's soon coming. Where Jesus is going to gather all of his hens and his chicks. And you're either going to be a sheep or you're going to be a goat. And trust me, you don't want to be a goat. Because what he's going to say is, depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. And we talk about this. We talked about it just the other day, I believe. Might have been this morning. <laughs> Julie and I. You don't want to be a goat. What we need to be is a sheep. And how you do that is by getting back to Jesus and by repentance. Right? Repentance turns you to God, turns you away from your sins. Repentance makes your life straight, straightens you out. 
Repentance means doing a 180. We need to get back to Jesus and take back what Satan has stolen. How many here have had things stolen from the devil? Come on. About everybody's had something stolen from the devil. Stolen your health. Stolen your faith at times. Not only that, he's taken and robbed from you. A blessing that was, that was meant for you. That turned around and the devil stole it. Stole it by stealing our finances. Steals our minds. Steals our children. Our grandchildren. He's stealing them from them. He's stealing them from us. We need to take back what's been stolen, what's rightfully ours. And I've been praying and demanding on, we need to demand an interest on that, especially on our finances. Demand, my, past, one of my pastors, Rod Parsley, would say, no, I demand interest on that. You had that for a year. Well, interest rates are so much over a year, 3% or whatever it is. I want sevenfold of that, 21% on top of what the devil has stolen. You need to demand it. You need to ask, get it back. Fight for what God's given you and don't let it go. Our country needs Jesus. Our country was founded on God. We need to get back to God. We need to get back to Jesus. It's that simple. We need to rebuke the devil. My wife and I were down here yesterday singing silly songs, and we were praising and worshiping God up here, practicing. But then we got done. We went down to pray, and we were singing songs. Kick the devil in the head. Taking back what's been stolen of mine. Kick that devil in the head. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's all mine. We were just making things up as we were going. It was pretty funny. But our country needs Jesus. Desperately. You know, thank God that these aren't Facebook Live. That's all I got to say. <laughs> thank God it's not Facebook Live. Thank God we don't have good internet up here. But, you know, we're in prayer meeting this week down here at church, and everybody's welcome 7 o'clock at the church prayer meeting. And my father-in-law, Ed, recited, oh, beautiful. He recited the um, America the Beautiful. And before I close, I want everybody to just stand up, if you would, if you'd like. And let's say it together. And tears were coming to his eyes because when you hear this, America the Beautiful, you know, it is beautiful. We used to do this as kids. We would get up, we'd put our hands on our heart, stand up every morning. They still do that in school? They do. America the beautiful, huh? We got it up there yet? America the beautiful, the lyrics, the, the words. Oh, beautiful. For spacious skies, for amber waves of grain. All right, well, it's up there. Let's all stand up. 
Let's all stand up. Put your hand on your heart. Let's all say it together. Amen. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountains, majesty above the fruited plains. America, America, God shed his grace on thee. Amen. That's what we need to do every morning, huh? We need to do that every morning. Because God shed his grace on thee. Think about that. God shed his grace on America. He has given a land, given us a land flowing with milk and honey. Just like he promised the Israelites. Just like the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. Do you know that when the first settlers came over here, they were fleeing religious persecution? They were looking for a land where they can freely worship God. They thought they were coming into the promised land. A land, America. A land flowing with milk and honey. And it's been blessed by God. You know, I wish we could play that clip of President Trump. What is it called? Hun? His speech? But America, America. We've come so far. Let's pray. America, America, Lord, we've come so far with you. And in these last few years, these last few decades, Lord, it seems like people are wandering away from you, Lord God, greatly in great numbers. Lord, I pray for our nation right now in Jesus' name, that, Lord God, that you would break forth mightily with your Holy Spirit, that, Lord God, that you would send your angels to make straight pathways for your coming. That, Lord God, that we would be on fire for you. That we would be ignited by your Holy Spirit to do good works, Lord God. To praise and worship. To bring people into the kingdom of God. To be set ablaze. To be led by the Holy Spirit. To be led by faith. I pray, and I pray for our country and our leaders. Lord God, I pray for our leaders that you would anoint them and that you would bless them, that you would fill them with wisdom from on high, that you would give them knowledge, Lord God. And Lord God, and that you would cover them and protect them in their families. All, Lord God, <clears throat> of our leaders, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, for those leaders that don't believe in you and your word, that you would do a mighty work in their heart, that you would turn them toward you. 
in Jesus' name, and their lives will be turned around, I pray. And Lord God, I know many of you here agree with that prayer, and I just pray your blessings upon your people today as we leave here. Lord God, that we would put you first, that we would get our word out, that we would come here and join in prayer with one another, Lord God, that we would believe in your word, that we would believe in prayer, that we would stand on it. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You are dismissed.